It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. This is Forward Thinking. I'm Isabella Melking. Could music be the answer to keeping us sharp in old age? For over 20 years now, psychologists at the University of Edinburgh have been studying why some people's brains and thinking skills age better than others. In fact, Edinburgh is home to one of the longest running studies on human cognition in the world, the Lothian Birth Cohorts of 1921 and 1936. They are a group of people, now in their 80s, some in their 90s, who all took an IQ type test when they were aged 11. So for people born in 1921, that was in 1932, and for the people born in 1936, that was in 1947. So starting in 1999 and ever since, 1,500 of these people have been brought back for tests every three years to help our researchers get insights into healthy ageing. Dr Judy Oakley is part of that team and has just started an ESRC-funded project with Professor Ian Deary, the Director of Lothian Birth Cohorts, and Dr Katie Overy, the Director of the Institute for Music in Human and Social Development. They're looking at the potential connection between musical experiences and healthy ageing in the brain. <laughs> Hi Judy, welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. Well, thanks very much, it's nice to be here. Thank you for joining us. So I wondered, could you tell us a little bit how you got into the field of the ageing of thinking skills? So cognitive ageing, as it's known as. Uh, sure. So I think I, I came to cognitive ageing relatively recently in my career. So I started off studying psychology at the University of Glasgow. And then I went on to do a master's in health psychology at the University of Stirling. And that's when I became interested in the, the field of epidemiology. So that's understanding patterns in health and what predicts how healthy someone's going to be across their, their life course. And that's what I really came to focus on in my, my PhD, which was at Edinburgh Uni. Um, so for that, I was looking at risk of various chronic diseases and their relationship to the things that we, we do measure in psychology, such as psychological well-being or stress. Um, and through that, I started working with large data sets um, with information about older people and their health. And I was also doing my PhD at the Centre for Cognitive Ageing and Cognitive Epidemiology. Um, so through that, I really was confronted with the, the topic of cognitive ageing and started to realise how, how big an issue it is in our society today as, as people are getting older and our global population is ageing very rapidly. Um, so after my PhD, I was lucky enough to get a job with the, the Lothian Birth Cohort Studies. And that's when my work with cognitive ageing really began. Um, so that, that's kind of where, where I'm at at the moment. And I suppose it's, a, it's an interesting topic for me inherently because it's about how things change across the lifespan. But I also became more interested in, in the topic once I met the, the Lothian Birth Cohort participants. Um, because they're just so engaged in, in the research and many of them have their own theories about what helps us stay sharp in older age. So that's always very interesting. And it really helped me see how, how important a topic it is for, for older people as well. Great. And now you've just got funding for a big new project. So this project that you recently started, it's looking at musical experiences across the lifespan and looking at whether this could have a positive effect on healthy ageing. And so why did you choose to look at music as a protective factor? Um, so I suppose through through my work with the, the Lothian Birth Cohort Studies, I've come to be really interested in the, 
the lifestyle and social factors that might help us keep our thinking skills in older age. Um, and I think music in that context is particularly interesting because it's a, it's a mentally challenging activity. Um, so we know from other studies with the, the Lothian birth cohort and other participants as well, that activities that, that challenge our brains might uh, have a protective effect in later life. So in the Lothian birth cohort, we found that people who learn a second language might have certain advantages. We've also found that people who have a job that's mentally challenging do slightly better. Um, and more recently, actually, my colleague Drew Altschul has found that playing analog games such as chess or cards might also be protective. So in that context, music is interesting because anyone who plays a musical instrument will know that it's quite a, a mentally challenging task. And it also requires our brain to integrate lots of different processes, so attention, memory, emotion and motor skills as well. And we have some clues from other studies as well to show that playing a musical instrument particularly might be beneficial. Um, so studies in children have shown that children who, who have musical training uh, tend to do slightly better in terms of speech and speech development and potentially other thinking skills as well, such as memory and, and reading. So, yes, I think it's a, an area ripe for, for investigation in older populations as well. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty cool that you can, depending on your lifestyle, people can really control or have an element of control and influence how they age. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, I think that's, that's what's so appealing about the topic. Um, again, I should probably stress that the Lothian birth cohort study is a, an observational study, so we, we can describe correlations, but we can't necessarily say for certain that something, some activity is causally related to, to someone's thinking skills, but it's very useful in terms of pointing to the things that might help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I know that you're, so one of the colleagues in the university, Katie Overy, she was looking at the potential benefits of music in the brain with the Scottish orchestra. Uh, yes, so she's um, currently working on a, a study looking at the, the benefits for people with dementia to engage musically. So she and some members of the Scottish Chamber Orchestra mm. go into dementia wards and they, they run workshops with people. And they're, I think anecdotally, they're certainly seeing a lot of benefits and they're now trying to really kind of pin down the numbers to, to show the hard evidence that, that it's helping. Yeah, it's a really amazing project and, mm -hmm. and some really amazing stories coming out of it as well. And what does music mean to you personally? Ah, interesting question. Uh, I think like a lot of people, I'd say music's a very important part of my life. Um, I listen to a lot of music uh, and go to music festivals. I actually don't play a musical instrument myself. Uh, but a lot of people have suggested that, that I should, as, as part of this project, <laughs> maybe think about taking up an instrument. So maybe that's my New Year's resolution. We'll see. Um, I do sing in a choir, actually, and I really, really enjoy that. Mm. Yeah. And so going back to the study, mm -hmm. are there any previous studies that suggest that musical experience can be good for our thinking skills? So I think you mentioned briefly that they might, but could mm -hmm. you maybe explore the specific studies that come to mind to you and like what is different about this study? Mm, sure. So there have actually been a few studies with older people as well. So these studies have looked at or compared professional musicians and non-musicians in later life and compared their thinking skills. And they've, they've generally found that musicians have performed slightly better on some cognitive tests. 
and other studies have looked, asked people whether they currently play a musical instrument and compared those people with people who, who don't in older age. And generally, I'd say that the findings are mostly positive, but all of these studies have been cross-sectional, so they don't actually look at whether a person's thinking skills change in later life. They just measure thinking skills and musical engagement at the same time. Mm, so a cross-sectional study, yeah, is that just exactly. observing what's happening right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so not the change over time, which is what the Lothian birth cohort studies yes, look at. Yes, that's right. So we have very detailed data on people's thinking skills and how they change so we can really address that gap in the research. And another advantage is we also have brain imaging data. So we're hoping to look at uh, compare people's brains who, who do and don't engage with musical activities. Mm. Another advantage <laughs> is that we have uh, a lot of details about these participants, not only in old age, but also in earlier life. So we know what the LBC's participants' thinking skills were like when they're 11. So we can control for that in our analysis as well. And so you mentioned that the study has a large sample size and you have lots of different data from a long time period, mm -hmm. which is really good. Mm -hmm. However, are there any limitations to study like this, like any biases that you might see? Uh, yes, definitely. I think any study will have its, its limitations, of course. So we know that the, the Lothian birth cohort participants tend to be from a, a slightly higher social class, at, at least the ones that we're seeing now. Um, so they, they might not be representative of the Scottish older population. But we were still able to look at differences between people in terms of their thinking skills and their musical experience. So it's still a very good data set for examining this question. And as I touched on earlier as well, it, it's an observational study. So I think if we do find a positive effect here, um, we'll need further evidence from studies that actually assign people to musical training mm -hmm. to see whether we can actually impact someone's thinking skills down the line. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you could look at like the different instruments to see if the yeah, different instruments have right. more yeah. effect than others. Yeah, definitely. that's true. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the questionnaire that we use in the, the Lothian birth cohort study is actually very detailed. So we, we ask about whether someone's ever played a musical instrument, which instruments they play, at what age. And we also ask about other musical activities. So singing, playing in an orchestra, reading musical notation. Uh, listening to music, how many concerts people go to, and also a person's self-reported uh, musical ability, so whether they think they can sing in tune or dance in time to music and so on. So that there's a lot of other questions that this study won't actually have the scope to address, but will be able to be tested in the Lothian birth cohorts. Now that sounds like a lot of different levels of engagement with music, yeah, like yeah. from just listening and also interesting that you're asking them to assess how good they think they are musically. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that sounds like a lot of potential for future investigation yeah, from absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. You touched on this in a previous question, but mm -hmm. I wondered if we could explore a little bit more what the likely benefits of the project might be if it turns out that music would help. Um, so I think in combination with evidence from other studies and assuming that our results are also positive, I think that these findings would hopefully help increase access and funding for musical activities. Another question is when would it be most effective for someone to learn to play a musical instrument? So that's again a question potentially for future studies. So then maybe if we find, for example, that learning an instrument at school is particularly beneficial, then maybe that would help increase funding 
for schools to give children the opportunity to learn to play a musical instrument. Yeah, that'd be good to put a bit more pressure maybe on the council yeah, yeah. to fund the arts. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I suppose you hear a lot that the arts funding is the first one to go. So hopefully this would provide people with some more hard evidence mm-hmm. that, that the arts are really important. And so I know that you also talked about when we had a discussion earlier outside mm-hmm. of the podcast that you were talking about how you were looking during the, the stage of the project to mm-hmm. involve music researchers at kind of a networking event mm-hmm. to explore the future direction. So what are the potential avenues that you see arising from this? Um, ooh, that really depends on the, the, the researchers themselves, I suppose. But as, as I mentioned, there, there are many other questions that you can investigate with the data we have. So uh, for instance, we have information about reading musical notation. So that's almost like learning a second language. So that would be another thing that would be really interesting to look at. Could you compare, say, learning musical annotation, so like reading music mm-hmm. and like learning a language to see how that would compare? Because you uh, talked yes, about the similarities. Yes, potentially. So we also have data on learning a second language in the LBC. So that there could be potentially a comparison study looking at whether both have an effect and comparing those effect sizes, that would be really interesting, yeah. Thanks, Judy. And so where can our listeners find out more about this research if we want to follow the progress ah, of this study? So I'd very much recommend following the, the LBC Twitter account, which I've forgotten the name of. I think um, it's at LBC. Yes. And if not, you can check out the school's Twitter account, so at School of PPLS, and we'll link to it from there. Yes, so the the LBC Twitter account is a great place to stay up to date with all things LBC, really. And I'll definitely be publicising my findings through there as well. Oh, great. Yeah, I look forward to finding out more Mm. about the correlation between musical experience and ageing. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, Judy. Thank you. If you want to know more about the Lothian Birth Cohort, listen to the previous Forward Thinking podcast episode on Portraits of the Lothian Birth Cohorts, You can also find out more about other topics discussed in this podcast by following the links on the Forward Thinking blog at forwardthinking.ppls.ed.ac.uk. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for more research news and views from philosophy, psychology and language sciences here at the University of Edinburgh. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.